Bang! What's up, y'all? I'm Nick, a senior writer over here at Sports Pack 12, and this is going to be our mailbag question segment. So I'll be answering the questions you sent in here in a podcast format, and if you'd like a written response, send them over to fellow senior writer and Dane Miller. And so in all seriousness, I have a lot of fun answering these questions. They take my research and my thinking all over the conference. And one point I want to reiterate is I'm just like you. I'm a Pac-12 fan, so in all seriousness, we're one and the same. We may cheer for different schools, but hey, we're all Pac-12 fans in the end. We're very similar. So from down south to the Arizona schools, to up north to the Washington schools, to east out in Utah and Colorado, we got Oregon and Cali in between. And in our entirety, we make up the Pac-12 conference. And even though we compete against each other during the year, let's come together for this podcast and have a heck of a lot of fun. So without further ado, let's get to today's question. And thanks for tuning in as always. Tuesday's mailbag question is in, and it's coming in hot from Matt in Clarkston, Washington. So the question today asks, I'm worried that now Colorado has players testing positive for COVID. The conference might cancel the season. Please tell me I'm wrong. So again, question from Matt. I'm worried that now Colorado has players testing positive for COVID. The conference might cancel the season. So the actual question is, is the conference going to cancel the season now that some Colorado players have tested positive? So... I'll dive into that specific aspect in a second here. But it's been a while since I've had a little story time. It's been a little bit. I haven't had any familiarity cities. And now we got a question coming in from the LC Valley. And I can dig that. I can respect that a lot. I spent my college graduation in Clarkston or Lewiston. Honestly, I'm a little confused by the river. But I think you can understand that, Matt. I'm not a local. And I may have had a random intoxicated walk to the Walmart (laughs) during like... 3 a.m. I believe <laughs> it's a it's okay, man. There, there were no rattlesnakes out at that point of year because it was just before that. I believe it was like early May was the graduation. Actually, May 5th. You, I know the college graduation off the top of my head. Apparently, that's what happens when you have two stints in college. But getting back to the story here, made my little drunk walk or intoxicated, excuse me, walked to the to the Clarkson Walmart at 3 a.m. and it was an awesome experience. And I did want to add as I'm probably more scared of rattlesnakes than I like to admit. So my cousin and my uncle, really more so my uncle, essentially forced me to walk down to the river because I was scared and I heard there were snakes there. And I, I know there's snakes there when the weather's right. I, I am playing and all that. But uh, anyway, so as we're walking down the hill, my cousin brings up on his phone like a little rattlesnake tail up. So you get this fake shaking rattlesnake and <laughs> that, that probably also scared me more than I'd like to admit. In the back of my mind, I was like, you know, it is a little early from rattlesnake season, but early May's not too far off. Also, while I was down at the river, I asked like some locals if there are rattlesnakes down here, and they looked at me like, come on, dude, like you know the answer. You're smarter than that kid. Come on, come on. So, yeah, had a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> had a good experience in my college graduation in Lewiston or Clarkson. I believe it's Clarkson, but you know the river is a little confusing if you're if you're not from the area, essentially. A river separates the two cities, and it's essentially the LC Valley is the two cities combined. So that's enough of me talking about Clarkston, except for the fact that they beat my old high school in the 2A basketball championship. And at the time, I was salty because I didn't get playing time. I used to play for Shorecrest, and 
Clarkson beat them. So at that time period, I was cheering for the Bantams all day. So Clarkston, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And go Bantams. Go Bantams, man. That, that, was, a, that was a cool moment for me in my life. So I'm going to get to the actual answer here. But, you know, we have some story time today, man. It's Tuesday. Break it up a little bit. So, again, actual question here. Now that we've had some Colorado players testing positive for COVID, is there going to be a season? So I did actually answer a mailbag question similar to this about a week ago. And I'm still going to give you an original answer. Don't get me wrong. But there are a couple points I want to reiterate from the broadcast that was essentially called Mailbag Question 46. So again, if you want a more detailed response in regards to certain aspects of this answer, go to sportspack12.com and Mailbag Questions, essentially, and pull up the archives, Mailbag Question 46. And seriously, I answer this question in, again, some more detail in regards to some aspect. So some key points from that answer that I really do want to say is, no one knows for sure what the future is going to hold. I'd be lying to you if I said, yeah, there's going to be a season one way or another. And I think that as amazing as experts are, they're, they're truly amazing. We need experts in society. They probably don't even know, regardless of what they want to say. And like in regards to the Colorado, now that's kind of have some numbers here on the West Coast in terms of actual players, I don't think that one particular region is going to be the defining factor on whether there's a season or not. So in other words, it's like, it'll have to be a countrywide decision. The NCAA body will have to make this, not just one conference. This won't be the SEC, the Big 12, the Pac-12. And one thing I did say in the previous mailbag question, so so there's going to be a little spillover here, but hey, you know, whatever. Like, there's no way anybody wants to see just a Pac-12 season. As great as we want to see football, or as bad as we want to see football, no one wants to see just that. We want to see people competing for a national championship. So I think it'd be weird if they do some kind of split season, and that's why I expect there to be a collective decision from the entire NCAA body. And that that's uh, that's yet to be determined. That's yet to be determined for sure. So in my belief system, in my gut, I think you may be wrong, Matt, so you may be happy to hear this. And I think that the season is going to be played in some way, shape, or form. And that's completely completely because of the financial aspect of this all. I mean, there's just so much money involved. And the NCAA probably wants that money. So it's probably going to happen in one way or another. With that being said, the NBA determines what will happen going forward. The NBA is going to be that first major American league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MLS tournament, blah, blah, blah. WL, what? No disrespect to women's soccer. I don't know the acronym for it, though. Whatever. We're having these little tournaments. We're talking major, major, major sport. And the NBA playoffs will be that. And they'll be the precedent. If the NBA calls it quits and the season doesn't go underway or they cancel it halfway through, then I would be a little bit worried about college football returning. But with that being said, I still believe it's going to happen in some way, shape, or form. But the NBA will determine this. 100%. The NBA is a clear precedent. They're the ones that stop the world. They're the ones who can start the world again. And so what I'm going to do here, though, those are kind of my four quick synopsis breaking down the previous mailbag question. What I'm going to do here is look at this from a moral standpoint now. And having the season to me is such an internal moral debate because I'm a believer in, I don't get me wrong, I respect how serious this pandemic is. I truly believe it's very, very serious. 
obviously the high number of loss of lives is nothing to laugh at and it, it's um it's it's very unfortunate i think that's the best word the high number of lost lives is unfortunate you have loved ones struggling you have people struggling economically and a whole other multitude of factors playing in here but with that being said i'm a big proponent in people taking care of their own immune system so i believe from a moral standpoint you kind of have to let the people play it determines on or excuse me let the players play cuz you don't know how they eat the stress levels in their life, how they take care of themselves. And can you take something away from another person because someone else may have a weakened immune system? And it's such a hard internal moral debate. And and I can't give you a clear answer on that. From my ethical perspective, I don't know. I would like to see the season being played. I believe that people should should be responsible for their own immune system. And ultimately where I'm going with this is I don't like people's freedoms being taken away. And I feel like, albeit football is a game, but it's also an avenue for these kids to really change their lives. Some of these kids may not be from, you know, elite wealthy families. And this essentially one season for seniors could be the difference between them working, you know, a 40, 50K desk job. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. I am not from a millionaire family, so let's not get this twisted. But they could be playing in the NFL potentially based off their senior year and make three, four, five million dollars. So it just so, so many aspects to really consider here. And then the other kind of moral stance you got to consider is, and I think this is a very much smaller scale. And to me personally, I get it. It's a part of society. And again, the financial aspect. But by having the players play and maybe not allowing regular students to return to campus, I feel like you're glorifying the athletes, which could set them up for actually failures down the road. Because as a student athlete, if you don't make it professionally, you're no different than any other student, except now you may expect things to be handed to you because you've been treated in this like hero type manner. So I feel like you may actually be taking away from some of the players by allowing them back on campus and other students. But that's a whole nother ballgame, man. So that, that's kind of the fresh moral emphasis I got here on this take. But I do want to say, to really summarize your question, Matt, or my answer, a little <laughs> simultaneous question answer, I don't know. No one knows what the future is going to hold. Experts can claim to know. They probably have a way better idea than I do, but deep down, they probably don't know, and I don't think anyone does. Only the universe can decide that. God, or whatever you believe in, whatever you believe in will be the ultimate, really determining factor on whether this gets done or not. You're looking at in terms of the Colorado players specifically testing positive, again, I don't think that one region is going to be the reason that essentially the NCAA cancels a whole year. It's going to come down to the entire NCAA body and a bunch of high ups really coming together and figuring out what's going to be best for them financially. I mean, most importantly, what's going to be best for the kids health wise. But, you know, financial is a bad, huge aspect. So let's not throw that under the table and act like that's not there. I really do believe in my heart of hearts, my heart of hearts, not from the governing body, but from me, I think that the season will be played in some way, shape, or form. And Matt, really, really keep your eyes out for the NBA season. If that goes off smooth, without a hitch, cases held to a minimum, no drama, none of that sort of stuff, then you can probably expect to see college football back in the fall. With that being said, hey, it's June now. It's rattlesnake season now in Clarkston, boy. 
seriously, uh, I had a great experience in Clarkston. It's my college graduation. Wasn't expecting to be there, but really was a cool time. There was a restaurant across from the, essentially, I forget, like the hotel, motel I was staying at. And I went and had, you know, a couple more drinks with my cousin. It was graduation and uh, just had some really good experience there. I had a couple nice beers and uh, thank you for the hometown hospitality. Have a great day. All right, guys, we got a quick read question here from Dave in Port Angeles, Washington. And today he asked me, who's the best cornerback in the pack? So again, the question from Dave, who's the best cornerback in the pack? Nice, smooth, simple, lets him get right to the answer. And so looking at the list here of best cornerbacks, there's only going to be three options. A fourth would be Cam Bynum, but we're not going to include Cam Bynum in the rest of our discussion but he is a name to remember. He's a cornerback over at Cal and probably the fourth or fifth best cornerback in the conference. So again, he's a name to remember. But looking at the only three options I'm really going to be talking about today, you've Oregon's Thomas Graham, Dubs Eliza Molden, or Stanford's Paulson Adebo. And those are really the three cream of the crop here in the Pac-12. A bunch of different sites have them rated pretty similarly. You're looking at 247 Sports Best Pac-12 Players. You got Adebo ranked fifth best in conference. Molden ranked third best, and Graham, Graham, what the heck, and Graham listed at number nine. According to Athlon Sports, you got Graham and Molden slotted in as first teamers, and Stanford's Adebo as an all-second team pick. So, looking at a quick synopsis of their prior accomplishments, essentially Graham has 40 passes defended, including 32 pass breakups, which is a really, really impressive number to me. Yeah, that's a lot, man. And he's getting ready for his senior year out there in Eugene. He was a Pac-12 honorable mention last season. He also had 64 tackles, which is good for number trace on the Ducks roster and five tackles for a loss as well. So really put up some very solid stats. But for me, he wasn't a first or second team selection. And the Pac-12 coaches vote on this award. First off, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that because Herbert wasn't a first teamer last year. I'm not sure. I'm talking about Justin Herbert here, the quarterback. I'm not sure how he wasn't a first teamer last year. But hey, the coaches did not think that he was elite. They thought it was very good. Again, got an honorable mention hype. But to not get that elite knock maybe pushes him to the next level. But again, for me, I do keep that in the back of my mind. Why did the coaches not vote him there? So that's kind of the quick little intro on Graham. You got Paulson and Debo. And in two seasons, he's been very solid. He's recorded four interceptions in both both in the in uh, both of his first two years, or excuse me, in each of his two years. I don't know. It's some weird stat I'm reading. Essentially, my dude has four interceptions in two different seasons apiece. And he also has defended 38 passes in those two years. Adebo was an all-pack 12 first-team player last year. And the thing about him is he actually had a down year last year. So that's one aspect you really have to consider here. In a down year, he was an all-pack 12 first-teamer. That's pretty impressive. But you do got to look at both sides of the coin here. So... In terms of weaknesses, he lacked consistency last year getting beat on double-team moves. He looked back at the quarterback and man-to-man coverage on routes that were kind of progressing, you know, a little bit longer than cornerbacks used to guarding some really good offensive lines, some sort of breakdown by the defense. So looking back at the quarterback in those type of situations is not good. And he's also struggling with some intangible factors at the position, including of when to flip the hips. So there are some things he can improve on. But again, just remember... He was the first team defensive selection in a down year. That really, really just shows, man, this guy's ceiling is extremely freaking high. And if he can return to his 2018 ability, he could easily become the best cornerback in the Pac-12. So 
Is he going to be the sophomore year version of himself or the junior year version of himself? That's going to be the question here. The last option we're looking at here is Elijah Molden. And so it's really quite apparent how good Molden is just when you look at him. Last year, he had 79 tackles, 5.5 for a loss. He also had four interceptions, 17 passes broken up. And on top of that, he forced three fumbles. If those stats didn't kind of give it away, he's a first-team All-Pac-12 performer and received second-team All-America honors. So looking at their stats, I think, you know, you got to give Molden the edge a little bit, but I'm not necessarily a stats guy. I really liked watching their highlight reels, and that's what kind of led me to pick someone who you may have not expected. I mean, again, the stats indicate Molden, but the highlight reel definitely indicates Molden, boy. Uh, Molden's nasty. Oh, it's not, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not even close because I think Adebo and Graham are both very formidable players. But at the college level, he just has the ability to impact the game in way more facets than either other guy. Like, to be quite fair in terms of NFL or, you know, more NFL-type college systems, Adebo and Graham could actually be considered better pure cornerbacks, better pure coverage guys, like isolation one-on-ones. But... Molden in every other factor, just so much more dominant. He's this undeniable playmaking ability that others really seemingly can't replicate. It's just so nasty all around. He's a solid coverage guy, great tackler, big hitter, which forces fumbles. And if you're looking back last year, came up with a crucial interception in the USC game, occurred in the red zone, and a touchdown had the potential to change the momentum, the, the momentum of that game and let the Trojans get back into it. UW still would have a little lead, bottom line, Molden making big plays when it matters most in the red zone. Again, I'm normally not a highlight guy. That's the thing about me. I'd rather watch a full game, a full season, see how guys and coaches and players and everyone can adjust matchup to matchup. That's the beauty of sports. Every week is a different opportunity, a different challenge. But for Molden, man, his highlights, it's just so apparent. And you're just looking at some of them. It's like he's tackling WSU's Max Borgie one-on-one. Borgie's, of course, supposed to be a first-teamer next year. So you're looking at plays like that out of what can be considered a cornerback. That's pretty freaking nasty. My comparison is actually to Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Yeah, you're like, what? What did you just say? No, 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 don't get it twisted. He's not Earl Thomas. He's not even close, not even on the same level, not even the same freaking stratosphere. But at the college level, at the college level, not the NFL, he's an innate factor to really just always be around the ball and somehow make things happen. He's got heart. He's got spirit. He's a true football player, and there's just some things that are uncoachable. Some guys have it, and it's just beautiful to watch, and he has that. 247 Sports has him listed as a safety, but SI has him listed as a cornerback. For this conversation, I'm going to include him as a cornerback, but I think he might actually be better suited at the safety position, but for today's purposes, and according to SI, we're going to include him as a cornerback, which I've seen him play, so... That's, that's a lie. I haven't seen him play cornerback. Like, like I'm lying out here. When I'm watching a football game, I'm not out there like, I wonder what if Elijah Molden's playing safety or quarterback right now. <laughs> that's not what I was thinking when I was watching the USC game last year. But seriously, SI's enlisted as a quarterback. So, and again, he received second team All-America honors. That, I think that speaks for itself. But there's other things that I want to add about him that it just makes him even more impressive. So, he didn't get as much time as he'd like as a freshman and sophomore because he was stuck in the depth chart behind NFL cornerbacks in Byron Murphy and Jordan Miller. But like the dude didn't get frustrated. He just kept working. He kept working. And he earned himself all Pac-12 second-team honors, largely due to his special teams play. And that's just really impressive. Shows his heart and determination all over again. So 
If this is any sort of indication of his work ethic, y'all better watch out next year, man. He's going to be pretty freaking nasty. And also, it really can't hurt learning under two guys who made their way to the NFL. So, looking at Molden all around, he's definitely the best player. Dave, thank you for the question. I'm thinking you're probably leaning this way since you're from Port Angeles. What do you think? Would he be a better suited corner or safety? Again, he's still the best cornerback in the Pac-12 according to me. So, thanks for the question. I'm out. Have a great day. And, you know what? Cheetos and tuna.